fuck's sake, man, you're amateur. Oh. Here we go again. Here we are, back in Ooh. a new decade, baby. It feels good to be back, and it feels good to be bad. Oh, my. It so does. It so does. I mean, I think that's really kind of what I'm ready to really connect with, the feeling I'm ready to connect with with this feature in this episode is being bad. Absolutely. And I, I think this year in particular, I might be, I'm going to be a little bit more bad yeah, the than 20s, I normally am. The 20s, actually, historically speaking, are a really good decade for being bad. And, yeah, speaking of, I wonder what is going to become, uh, what's going to be outlawed, similar to alcohol, was oh, out- yeah. outlawed in the 1920s. Probably jewels, jewel pods. Heroin? It already is. <laughs> That's illegal. true. That's true. Yeah. Prescription pills. There will be an underground uh, distribution jewel of pods. Yeah, jewel pods. Yeah, that could be it. Yeah, that could definitely be it. That would be pretty sick. Maybe La Croix. No. No. They would never take that away from the the Brooklynites. Absolutely not. Uh, well, anyway, welcome to Commentology. We're back, and this is uh, another episode. We've, we took quite the break. Oh, yeah. Kind I had of to rev up, re- rejuvenate. Reevaluate things. Just question the whole project and, and question everything in my life as we enter this new uh, this new decade and this new alignment of the stars and of the planets that we are calling the Roaring Twenties. Yeah, and you, the way you're, you're talking there kind of channels like a Busey, Gary oh, yeah. Busey-esque kind of vibe. I, 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 we're, well, tonight we're going to be watching Surviving the Game. Let's yes. just let out yes. say that. Just so we can have a you know a logical transition here, we're going to be watching a movie called Surviving the Game from 1994. That's what we're going to be talking about, and uh, Gary Busey centers very. He looms large in this film. He's one of the stars, and uh, this is post accident Busey. Okay? Post accident, yes. So this is post accident, and he's still in. You know, in terms of relevance, still pretty much in the prime of his career, 94. Um, but he is absolutely losing a grip on what we commonly refer to as reality. You and know, I didn't watch enough before the accident interviews to gauge how much I've, I've how much brain damage is really a factor with this kind of the new abuse. Uh, I think it's pretty a pretty big factor. It's like very I, obvious. I, I, I mean, it depends on like if like what two points on the timeline were like. Re- make, you know, making reference to, but if you definitely, if you compare his, you know, like the past fifteen years of abuse with like eighty five, there's a major difference. I mean, part of that is aging, but it's probably you know brain damage accelerated by aging. Yeah, um, the I accident happened kind of, in nineteen eighty eight, December fourth. He almost kind of connects with a vibrance, a kind of uh, a love and a lust for life that actually is a plus. I think probably for his lived experience. You could uh, one could almost be jealous of him. Yeah, I mean he's going through life probably feeling great. You know, I mean just his mood swings are more an issue for the people around him. It's it's all Gary all the time in Gary's head. That's kind of what I imagine it's like. But I do feel like he kind of, you know, and I didn't watch a lot of interviews before the accident, but it does seem like something like his cranium a bone or something must be pressing upon like a certain part of his brain that's kind of just making him like kind of get up in life's face, you might yeah. say. It's a and shame it, it's not the uh, pituitary gland because then he would just, he'd have giantism if that was the case. He would he, he would just grow just and get grow and grow. bigger and bigger. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. A bigger, a bigger Gary. A bigger Gary. A pretty big guy. He's I'm a pretty big, imposing guy. Bigger is better. Um, 
I watched a clip of him on the Howard Stern show in like. Oh, it's classic Stern. Did you see this one? No, I did not. So this post was, accident. I'm assuming. No, it's definitely post accident. I couldn't pinpoint. I didn't see the date exactly, but we're talking uh, longer hair Stern. So we're it's got to be <laughs> early to mid. The early classic to late 90s. long shaggy locks with yeah, the sunglasses. It's, on. it's probably like 97, 98. Okay, right. It's definitely the the Stern of my childhood. Of watching the Stern's e of our lives. Stern, yeah, I actually chart my life and the development of my life based on the Stern's of cut. Stern's hair. Yeah, and you can do that uh, if you're of a certain age. But that's yeah, why I think that's why the most recent hairstyle just kind of represents how shitty life is. You know, I mean, the most recent hairstyle kind of represents him just being like a neutered version of the old Stern. You know, because it's really like he's trying to reconnect. He's trying to wow. keep that wildness about yeah. him, but it's it's a it's a tamed. It's kind of a, a domesticated animal. More, that, more that reserved, fruit. more mature. Yeah. B- bigger bank account. Definitely a bigger bank account. A bank account that went from big to bigger. Um, Howard Stern hair 2020. But if I'm being honest about the hair, like he actually, you know, obviously he looks like shit, but the hair, <laughs> like it's really actually pretty good hair decisions because it would be weird if he just like, you know, just had like a normal dude in his 50s or 60s haircut, right? Like, we wouldn't really want that from him, right? I don't, he's just, it's like a full on afro, kind of. Yeah. He's just, yeah. <laughs> Definitely takes a lot of maintenance. I mean, that's no way that's his natural color at this point. Come on, there's not a single gray in there. It is like more of a fro. That's actually, he, he and Prince, Prince at the end of his life had a very similar cut in terms of. You know, just the shape of it. Yeah. You know? They're going a very similar look. Prince and was looking way better, of might course. Might be uh, but... foreshadowing the end of Stern's life. <laughs> Stern, yeah. I, that's actually, you get that haircut when you start dabbling in fentanyl or yeah. whatever. <laughs> 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 that haircut just seems like a good idea if you're just strung out on painkillers. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. Uh, rest in power, Prince. Um, anyway, so it was BC. Oh, dude, the website Hair Liberty. Uh, Howard Stern's <laughs> new haircut, updated for January 2020. Oh, man. Wow. This is a great website. <laughs> Holy shit. Wait, can we... So what? where are you right now? Let's let the Check listeners... Check out Howard listeners. Stern's current and previous haircut. So this is a website exclusively about it's, Stern's cut? No, it's oh. Hair Liberty. I'm assuming it's... They have the celebrity haircuts of the day. Wow. Oh, it's almost set up like an Instagram. It's pretty nice. Hair Liberty. It's a, it's a rough website, That's but pretty rough. I am very much. But they're into keeping it. it up to date, man. It's up to date as of this month. That's cool. Uh, yeah, this is fantastic. He's sixty six. Is there any? Are there any tidbits about the cut there that we should uh, share with our listeners? Um, <laughs> do they have? Do they credit the cut? The cutster? They credit the uh, the one responsible for the cut? I'm sure it's a team. To be honest, it's not. It's not going specific in specific into the cut itself. It's more just a light biography on him. And it's uh, so it's really just a cut appreciation. They're saying site. he's mostly known for his exceptional fashion sense and his delightful pers- personality. <laughs> what? No way, man! I don't even know what his fashion sense is. Rumors and gossip about the 66-year-old's hairstyle oh, are always 60s, in the huh? spotlight of celebrity magazines and tabloids. Is it real? Who is running this site? I wish I knew. What I can tell you, <laughs> yeah, I should. Oh no, I just I sh- we should have contacted them before the show. Yeah, we should get a little bit more information. We're gonna have to hit them up after the show. But uh, Busey in that episode, you know, he's of course they got the clip of him in the you know backstage and Gary, you know, uh, Gary's talking to him, the producer Baba Booey. Oh yeah, and uh, he just he's a live wire dude. Like I wouldn't really want to be around him. Gary Busey. It's an, it's it's always you don't know if he's gonna pop. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. But it's it seems pretty self aware to me. His style, really. 
I think he's, you know, he knows exactly what he's doing. You like, think so? He's, yeah, I think so. He's playing. It what up. age? What years are you talking? <sighs> Just are you saying the whole time? I was watching some. Of course, he's on one of the greatest journalists' uh, web series ever, Larry King. The uh, King. Of course. What year? Uh, I think it's very, very recent because he oh, was looking gosh. like death. Oh my god. Uh, and this is where actually I heard about uh, Buseyisms is and I got the Buseyisms. Yeah, Buseyism is kind of Gary's his condition, like his <laughs> <laughs> Buseyism is like a. Well, I guess I, I can let Gary kind of explain it in his own words right here, if you don't mind. Uh, Go for it. Taking a second here. That's really wonderful, because it helps me understand the meaning of one word with the sentence that reflects the word's meaning and definition. These are called Buseyisms because I take these from my own heart, my own spirit, my own soul, and make this interpretation so you can hear it and live by it. The word now, N-O-W, no other way. Oh, yeah, he does this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, Time he, I, out. To ensure measured energy on using time. The word team, T-E-A-M. Together, everyone achieves more. And he that's the foundation that of the bottom line for he did not make email. Teamwork. So you can make your own Buseyisms. Just take your last name and put ism on the back of it. Like John Smith. Here's a Smithism. Like Ronald McDonald. Here's a McDonaldism. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, yeah, we get it. He might as well be doing like those motivational posters you find in like an office in the mid nineties. You know, like <laughs> dude, hang it. in there with like a cat hanging on to like Yeah, he definitely just saw one of those one time and has just picked that up. And just doing that, calling them But I just want to, I want to call out that the channel that you found that video on is called Gary Busey on Business. <laughs> it's a channel of two thousand, more than two thousand subscribers. People following Gary Bu- Gary Busey on Business, and it's all well. It's mostly Gary Busey in a light colored suit, no tie, and they're all uh, from eleven years ago. Here, g- yeah, him just giving, I guess, business advice. Buy low, sell high. <laughs> Remember, no one ever went broke taking a profit. In this country, we have a minimum wage. But there is no maximum wage. You are free to make as much money as you can. Just don't forget to pay your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> dude, wow. That was good. That was really good. Beauty on business, This dude. is what you need. You need <laughs> two seconds. You need 20-second doses of abuse. Dude, and okay. Here's another... <laughs> Welcome to the Institute for Entrepreneurial Nonsense. First of all, think outside the box. The guy who invented Pringles packaging thought outside the box and made a fortune. In fact, he was buried in the tube. Isn't that beautiful? That can happen to anyone. <laughs> yeah, now, couldn't, is that- it couldn't be that the, the chips taste good. <laughs> it's got to be the packaging. This is... I. Was he actually buried in a tube? Uh, I don't know. Now, is yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is Gary just kind of having a little fun here with the audience, knowing that the perception of him, everyone thinks he's a, a nut, which he absolutely is. I don't know, But man. he plays it up. You think so? I guess that's... Well, that's let me, I mean, he certainly monetized this... Uh, <laughs> let, me, this let me confirm the persona. The Pringle creator buried in can. <laughs> buried in tube. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that's true. Uh, I'm also just. Oh my God, he was. He well, he his really ashes. Was? His ashes were put in a Pringles tube. Holy shit, that's that's pretty badass. That, what year was that? He was 89 when oh, he wow. passed. Damn. Yeah, I think I don't know. I mean, 
it's a really that I I can't believe I never really even thought about that. To me, I mean, hearing him talk just screams brain damage. But I guess it's I guess it's possible that. Well, he's I might I might take that back because that Pringles thing is true. Yeah, right, right. I I mean I I I I was kind of like looking around into Busey Land a little bit, and a lot of the stuff that I saw coming up was actually surrounding his appearances on reality TV. One of which being his appearance on our Supreme Leader's former show, Celebrity Apprentice. Did you know that he was on Celebrity Apprentice? I did know that, and I saw him in person on the street while he was right. filming an episode of that ten years ago. Or so. I remember that you saw that, that you saw him there, and I found a clip from that very interaction. Wow! Actually, because I remember you posted a photo. I, I titled this. Uh, this clip in my email, Gary Busey Pizza Experience. Yes, so and me, I walked past this. <laughs> let me pull it up right in here. real life. Gary, hey, please do not throw this at people. So let me set the scene. Gary is in a pizza place in Midtown Manhattan. He's wearing. Uh, a, it was it was right by NYU. Oh, it was, it was yeah. downtown. Okay, yeah, it's right over there. So this is some one of the challenges on a Celebrity Apprentice. I guess him and I think it was Little John was yep. also I saw was Little also John there that with day them. as well. And he's at just some run-of-the-mill pizza place in Manhattan, and he's being handed a bag of pepperonis. And I guess his job is to try to get customers make off a the sale. street. Make Dude, a sale. Make a sale. I mean, that's just a that's just a classic. That's how you really get a, your start in New York. You get here, you want to make your fortune, you get handed a bunch of pepperonis, and you got to make a sale. So that's where that's what we're doing. <laughs> Buy low, sell high. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shit, dude. Wait. So what years were all those? Those are two thousand eight. Oh, so is that wait? This is, is this? after that? Okay. <laughs> I was that, gonna say I thought maybe he was just inspired. It probably right? got his foot in the door <laughs> to Donald. You know Donald's office. Donald was looking up Busey on business. He, he was buying what Busey was selling. All right, so this is Gary Busey on the street. Now keep in mind, Matt was outside on the street and walked past him while he was doing this. Yes. Or anything, it's pepperoni, but you know. Don't hurt the customers, gentlemen. We are open for business. Walking we outside. Five pieces of pie for charity, right here. Come on in and buy one. Come on in and get a piece of pizza. It's in the middle of traffic right now. You can make it rain. You can drop Little John. You might be able to see me on this. Pepperoni. It's throwing pepperoni in the sky. That's where the miracle will happen. When I put on the pepperoni profit costume, all the lights came on in Manhattan. Cell <laughs> phone. <laughs> Pepperoni profit, sir. Hey, Gary, it has to be Gary. <laughs> Gary, turn your camera on. Oh wow, dude! Now you got a little Don Jr. appearance in there. Donnie was he was way back when. I think that was hanging him. out with Daddy. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to, I kind of wanted to jog your memory on that experience. <laughs> what can you remember? It was just a blur. I remember walking past. There was a large crowd on the corner, and I said, "Something's up." And I walk over, and immediately I see Gary. Uh, and I think his his pant one of his pant legs was tucked into one of his socks. <laughs> I don't think it was intentional. But I just remember his eyes were uneven. One oh, opened up way more than the other. Fuck. I was just like, "What the fuck is this?" God, I, I didn't. I took a couple snaps. You had, yeah, you I had saw to. The, yeah, I saw the picture. You had to get a couple pictures of that. Uh, and I moved on. With my Unbelievable. Day. Yeah, that's the thing, though. It does kind of like I will say this. I think he's having genuine fun, and he's an absolute mess. And his he definitely has brain damage. But well, he did, he did a stint on one of your favorite shows, 
uh, celebrity rehab uh, with Drew, right? He did. He did. So I don't. You, I don't think have... I saw that. Uh, I don't think I saw that season. Believe it or not. Interesting. Because I do, I did spend a period of time. I don't know. It was like you know when you're like 13 or 14 and you come home, you do your homework, and then or you stay home from school or something, and you literally just binge watch television. <laughs> like I, I assume that's what kids are still doing these days. But I just remember just running through seasons of shows like that at <laughs> age one. Like, and they're just in my brain now. Like I'll never not, I'll never not have the image of the guy from Crazy Town on the roof of the Pasadena Rehab Center. Like so they, like crazy Town, down. they sing Butterfly? Yeah, Sugar Baby. Yeah, Sugar Baby. Yeah, so that guy's come like, my lady, crack come, come my lady. And he, and, he, uh, and he had a relapse. Or it was the next season that he wasn't even on anymore, and he had relapsed, and he showed up, and then he, uh, he climbed on the roof and started throwing things at people. Anyway, I'm never going to be able to get that out of my brain, but I do, I do know that Gary was on that show, and I'm sure he was... Uh, I'm sure he was a fucking mess. I mean, I don't know what he was in for. Like, I, I know he had a cocaine issue. He actually had a cocaine. He OD'd on cocaine in the mid-90s. But I would have assumed at this point that he's sober. Oh, but. you know, it's interesting. He, uh, I think when he was talking to King, Larry King, <laughs> uh, he mentioned that he's he's died twice since he's seen the light. Yes, I heard about that. He's had a after-death experience. And actually, I didn't pull this clip. Did you? Oh yeah, hell yeah. No, a little, just a little music. Yeah, a little background. Um, he uh, he is talking on some podcast that I saw. I didn't pull this clip, but he's just like, I have been I have been in the afterworld. I've seen what it's like and I've seen my soul. Yeah. <laughs> and he said that his soul wow, I'm actually much like a Pringles clan, his soul is twelve inches long and about <laughs> about <laughs> about an inch and a half wide and it's a cylinder. That's what that's, that's what his soul looks soul. like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's he's About twelve he, inches long. Twelve inches long. So it is actually it's the soul. To <laughs> this is a Pringles can. I wonder. Whoa, that's dude. He actually. It's. I feel like this happens to me sometimes. This happened to our Keanu experience, which we'll touch upon. I think something's bullshit, and then I slowly just get convinced of it. I don't know. Gary may end up being just a. Well, what year was that from? That's more recent. All right, yeah, it, it, he can very, I just very well say, been influenced by the death of the Pringles creator. I would, yeah, I guess that's also possible. I was that's say why, why that's why those those nerves are f- like flaring in his mind. That's true. That's true. I guess that's a more reasonable explanation. In my mind, the explanation would have been that he's uh, he's actually some sort of conduit to a higher consciousness. But I think it's more likely that he heard that the Pringles guy. Uh, shot himself into this, or at least was buried in a Pringles can, and just started to kind of associate those images. Also possible. That's good. Um, yeah, that's uh, you know, and you can't get an interview with the abuse without him mentioning Buddy Holly. Oh my God, I saw that too. Because he was nominated for an Oscar for that performance. Oh, he was. Is that why he keeps bringing it up, dude? That is the only thing this guy talks about. I was like, what the fuck is this movie? He was like, oh, what's your most memorable performance? And he brings up this movie and I'm like, what the fuck is this? This seems like something they would have like trashed on Siskel and Ebert or like it would have been like a, you know what it really seemed like? It seemed like a popcorn classic from, from uh, yeah. on cinema. But I guess if he was nominated, I guess it was halfway decent. Well, I mean, that doesn't really mean anything, but yeah, he's, he, uh, yeah, the Buddy Holly story where he was, uh, he did his own singing, you know, portraying Bud um, he did his own scene, huh? I'm assuming he was it was for best actor nomination, although I can't find that. Um, whatever the case, it's uh, number one in his heart. Clearly, he brought it up a bunch. Um, 
But, you know, I, as I was digging through the font of Kant, the fonts of content that uh, Busey's life is, I really, a lot of the best stuff I was finding was from that season of Celebrity Apprentice, um, one of which includes a celebrity that I, you know, I personally think it has been giving me a lot of joy and a lot of uh, entertainment, particularly in his later years, uh, Meatloaf. Meatloaf features heavily in this season. Um that they shared really? in 2013, and there is just an amazing video. Was he a was he a boozer? Uh, no, sorry, I I meant uh, Celebrity Apprentice. Oh, yeah, oh so, excuse me, but I'm guarantee you that Milo is a boozer. But <laughs> um, <laughs> that's very clear. But uh, this is a video from one of the challenges on Celebrity Apprentice, where they have some kind of painting challenge, and Meatloaf really loses his cool. At Gary. Whoa. Because he's thinking that Gary stole his paint supplies. Oh, let's watch this clip. This, this is me as well. I tied my bag together. I know mine is mine. I don't see another bag over here. Is that Ice Cube he's with? No. Okay! <laughs> That's meat. That's meat. Meat. <laughs> What's wrong? Mother! What's wrong? I bought those mother sponges! Part of that paint is mine. I'm sick and tired of yeah, you. Yeah, getting up in Gary's face. No, no, hey. no, 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 no. That was all no, mine no. in my basket. Oh! Hold on, guys. Hold on. Hold on. Dude, Gary's me. wearing. Dad, Gary's wearing like a flat rim hat right me. now. Don't do it. Don't do it. Mother you do not wanna with me. You look in my eyes. I am the last person in the world you ever wanna. My favorite what? thing about this is that Mark McGrath is the one that has to get between them. Whoa, yeah. Mark you is. Understand me? <laughs> yes. Mark has to get between these guys. Wow. You motherfucker, you will give me all the hurt. You'll be in the hospital in about four minutes. Me, 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 me. Look, take him out of here. Take him That's out of here. That's Mark McGrath saying me. Come on, Gary. It is not yours, you crazy. Mark, Dude, don't Mark McGrath and Sugar Ray, we're talking about. Yes. Let's just get your stuff. You're good, brother. That's Mark. Mark is a peacekeeper, dude. Mark, uh... Mark's had a lot of plastic surgery. This became serious. I have to stop Meatloaf from ripping Gary Busey's head off. Literally. But if Gary decides he doesn't want to play within the rules, this is going to get worse. I'm not a fan of Mark McGrath. Nah, dude. Mark McGrath... My favorite thing about Mark McGrath is when, you know, obviously Sugar Ray's early aughts career just eventually hit the dust, and he became... First a commentator, or first a uh, host of Rock and Roll's 100 Craziest Moments on the H1, <laughs> and then and then a host of like E Tonight or something. He was like, "Oh yeah, this is what I always wanted. I just want, yeah, I didn't want to do the rock star thing forever." It's like, "Yeah, sure, dude. You you envision yeah. yourself well, landing yeah, on E." He transitions into the American Idol host, like, yeah. or whatever. I mean, Anita. it's really not a bad professional move, but acting like that's where he imagined himself when he was like probably. <laughs> Bringing four girls back to the tour bus oh, yeah. in 2002. Way different. Um, his, yeah, so his I, career is my own personal hell. <laughs> I loved that one, but uh, yeah, I mean, I got a few more here. I got a few more clips of Gary. I mean, he. I don't know if you know this, but well, let's just take a quick synergy break. Oh yeah, this is good. let's yeah. take synergy. S y n e r g y. You know, sometimes you have an intention. You just want to smack people. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. 
All right, everyone. That feels self-aware. Everyone, right? check out Gary Busey on business. Plenty of wow. twenty-second clips, gems like that. That's that. I didn't expect that. That's really funny. Man, I do kind of feel a little more centered after that. That's really awesome. Yeah. Um, so I guess it goes without saying that uh, Busey is a Trump supporter, and he has been since the birther era. Era, but here's a little clip of him talking about his politics. Donald Trump defended you um, right to the end. Right to the end. What um, What are your thoughts of Donald? He's a great man. He's got an awareness level that's very high, and I'm going to vote for him for president. This is 2011. I suggest you all. Wow. Yeah. Because he has the wherewithal to turn this country What's over. What's he on here? Dump over, I was wondering that too. What, you know, this was a con. Oh, well, the show. I thought you meant I with drugs. Uh, he's on the Wendy Williams show. <laughs> his administration. Very reputable. He did inherit a whole lot. Well, know? that. If you inherit a whole lot, you move on with the good. You don't keep complaining about the past. Yeah, that's scary for you. Uh, Trump supporter, Wendy's uh, giving him a soapbox. Um, but, yeah, so things kind of just... Oh, there is... <laughs> speaking of Trump, I this isn't a video, but, Matt, I just wanted to show you this. Somebody pointed out how much Gary Busey and Eric Trump look the same. Wow. We'll post this in the show notes, but they are like the fucking same person, man. I mean, it really just goes to show... It comes down to the chompers, How really. terrible looking Eric Trump is, man. Jesus Christ, <laughs> that guy is like... You know, he's a he was born into being a Dude, when your father gives the best seed, you uh, get the best looking kids. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, Gary's career moved... You know, from doing these, I mean, obviously he was a big star in the 80s. I think he probably would have started in the late 70s. I'm not sure. Maybe the 80s. Um, the Buddy Holly story was 1975. Oh, wow. Really? Okay. So then. Uh, 78. He has his accident, I think, 87, I want to say. 88. 88. And, you know, then over the course of the next 15 years, he's doing less and less movies. He's being more and more erratic. And. Oddly enough, it kind of made... It was kind of good for him, man. I mean, really, like... I'm not saying it was good. I mean, okay, the brain damage was maybe not good for his life as a whole. But in terms of his relevance, career-wise, becoming, like, the crazy guy... That's what I'm saying. He, he knows this. Yeah, he, he's playing. He's playing it up. That's very... I had not considered that, but it's definitely possible. And uh, it's it, it leads to the inevitable end, which is just doing tons of reality television, which is where he has been for you know the last 10 years where he's been festering for the past 10 years so that you know a lot of the clips we were just listening to were from that period or a bit a little bit older you know maybe from the late aughts you know early teens but i found some clips from an appearance that he made on uh big the show big brother in the uk he's hitting all the best shows but this is 2015 man and i'm telling you right now the tone changes okay (laughs) so this is a clip he takes the reality road straight to rehab with Drew, yes, of course, yes. where all roads inevitably lead you to. Definitely. But now he's left, and now he's doing a darker, the darker side of reality. He's, dude, I, well, let's play this. Oh, clip. yeah, let's take a look. Just because there's like. I've got lots of gay friends, so you're for not me. Afraid to, you're not afraid to get butt fucked in the air? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave that to your imagination. Uh, <laughs> I've never hit a 17-year-old before, ever. I mean, come on. <laughs> Show you little fucking ass. And... 
have Leslie sickening his small finger in the rectum. It's normally, it's normally the people like you. Oh, <laughs> listen, no, wait, wait, listen. Listen, I'm talking. Okay. When I'm talking, you listen, yeah? Don't be rude. Yes, sir. Don't be rude. Okay. Yeah, it works the same both ways. So okay. what I'm saying to you is, excuse me, look at me when I'm talking up. to you. Look at me when I'm talking to you. Sounds like Ricky I'm your face. I'm saying to you, <laughs> people like you that are worried about homosexuality. Oh, no, I'm not worried about no, I didn't this. say that. I just said that you honor the gay No, you said brain. that I get butt fucked. <clears throat> no, you do in your imagination. Really? Wow. I've seen you, you think? think. Really? You should be careful what you say, mate, to people. You got to be careful what you take seriously. No, I, I do no. take that seriously. Ooh, you're violating a vow of your own truth. I wouldn't say that to what you, it's disrespectful. Doesn't matter. I have respect for my elders, and you should have respect for people I as well. I do respect heterosexuals. You think so? Yeah, I know so. You think you have respect? Hey, hey. Do you think that's acceptable? Don't look at them. So I just want to <laughs> pause for a little context here. He's obviously getting in a lot of trouble for you know those t saying those terrible things. But this is where it gets even darker, because he walks away, and then he walks back, and then it becomes clear that he doesn't even remember what he said. Okay, so don't worry about it. You're doing what you said to me. Do you think it's right? I didn't know. I don't remember what I said. Okay, so don't worry about it. No, you don't worry. Listen, about mate. I'm not gonna. I'm not. Straight up, within a minute, he's no longer got any reference point for what the homophobic shit that wow. he had just said. So that's the first of two clips I've got from that. Because the second one, we're going totally into just like full-on needs to be in a home status <laughs> because he he uh he's in the kitchen and he just takes his pants off and sits down okay. at a stool like he's gonna take a dump in the middle of the common space oh. yeah but is this legit james can you sort that yeah. out please he's got no trousers on i know what do um, can you tell him, please? Can someone sort that out now? That is no. not right. That's not natural. That's do? not right. Well, what can you do? What can you do? Do you know what I mean? I'm not a professional. I don't know how to deal with that situation. Are you OK, Gary? No. My knee was out. Maybe you should go in the toilet and do that next time. It's over. You, you <laughs> it's over. <laughs> <laughs> Did he actually take a shit in he, that he room? Didn't, I don't think he let anything go. He didn't let any number one or number two go. That's why so. I don't trust it. I don't trust it. I <laughs> think he knows that this smear going. Doing something like that is going to get the viewers. It's going to get the clicks so that, honestly, every, that everyone's looking for. Yeah, I mean, I guess it comes down to how cynical of a take do you have for for Gary's mental health. <laughs> um, I do... Honestly, I mean, yeah, maybe he also faked forgetting that he said that really homophobic shit. Oh, no, shit. that... I think he's just that's an, an easy way out of that. Yeah, that's that what I mean. Mess he like just maybe dug he into. right, maybe he's just playing it there too. I don't know, it's hard to say. The the viewers or the listeners are going to have to decide for themselves, but it's uh he's definitely a one of a kind. He's a trickster of of a sort. Absolutely. In uh in our modern day culture. And yeah, uh he gives one of the most iconic monologues on Put to film in Surviving the Game. Yes. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, scene. I remember it. I think there's a lot. Of, so, full disclosure, Matt and I have both seen this movie before, which is the first time we're doing this on the show. Um, we decided that it was time to do a movie that we'd seen before because really, Surviving the Game is kind of the beginning that was the, the really the earliest seeds of commentology because back almost 10 years ago when we were in college, this movie was 
we discovered this along with Purple Rain and a few others that just became like our brains were exploding at how absurd. Like I didn't even realize that something so ridiculous could be committed to film and put out in a theatrical release. Yeah, and this movie's definitely not talked about enough. I know, and we're hopefully going to bring some awareness to this movie because yeah. this is one of the most insane. It's just so unbelievably bad. <laughs> It's unbelievable, but you know, it's like we discovered it. We had no. I did we did. How did this? How did we? How, or how did you well, come across this? My good friend Chris owned this movie on DVD, <laughs> so he brought it to. I this was freshman year in college, which was two thousand eight. Right. He brought this. He presented this to us, and I haven't been the same since. Yeah, it's definitely uh, in the canon, and I know that I personally haven't seen it in ten years. Although I did watch it at least two or three times when we first saw it. So I'm really... Because there's a lot of scenes that I do remember, but there's got there's definitely going to be so much that is going to be fresh and new to me because it's been so long. But I do remember Gary's clearly improvised monologue scene. Yes. And actually, yeah. It's actually confirmed that he wrote that monologue after seeing what was written for him and he trashed it. He, <laughs> he hated it. So he wrote it the night before. Oh, it. wow. You see, that's... That's I, from Ice-T. The, the mouth of Ice-T himself. I'm sure Ice-T was very impressed by that. He was. And he considers Gary a friend for life. He, he respects that, that kind of thing. I, I have to say, Ice-T, I kind of like... I like Ice T. I don't know. Like I, I, I don't know if like his bullshit charm just works on me too. But he's uh, as a celebrity, like he's not the like he's not the worst. I don't know. He's kind of like he's managed. I feel like he used rap as a way to get into the public sphere. But he's just also just this kind of character. Well, yeah. Like, he's mean, just basically point, he's running acting, on charisma. He's right. He's been acting for. 20 years or so. And point. he's just created this character of Ice-T that can be these different things, like the actor on the show or the rapper or whatever. But it's basically just that he has this charisma that people want to see. Even if he's just like a talking head on, you know, VH1, VH1 or something, yeah. you're just kind of, you enjoy it, you know? Um, so this was early in his career. Yeah. I mean, I guess he was big enough that obviously he was making a movie of this size, 94. So I guess, yeah, I think he would have been pretty... It's probably late 80s. Yeah, Starting he, that he started out in the late '80s, I would say, and I think he really kicked kicked into gear in the very early '90s. But I was surprised to learn two things. The first thing is that this movie recouped. This movie did not lose money at the box office, or at least its worldwide gross is more than its budget. Was this movie in theaters? Oh yeah, it's got a full on theatrical release. Oh wow. It was a seven million ish budget, and it made a little more more than that budget in the seven million range. And uh, I was very surprised to find that because, you know, it got reviewed by a number of big critics and stuff. Like I thought this was a direct DVD situation or a DVD, a direct VHS situation, but apparently it wasn't. Um, and they it, broke. I mean, they broke even. They broke even, which is saying more than. I think obviously I would have expected based on the quality of this film. The other thing is that you know what you got to do. What do you got to do? Buy low, sell high. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if anybody got fired. Buy low. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if anybody got fired over this movie, but I don't know. It's certainly not the biggest, you know, failure of all time. Um, and maybe it's even made a couple bucks. Yeah. Well, Ernest Ernest Dickerson has somewhat of a directing career. That's the other thing I was going to say. This guy. This, I, I think it's just interesting because, yeah, this puts it in context a little bit. This guy's a, a well-known uh, filmmaker. 
He's worked on a bunch of movies. Um, like I think he worked on Do the Right Thing. He worked. He was on, a cinematographer. cinematographer. That. He directed Juice. He starring, directed Juice, uh, which is Tupac. That was a big movie. Bulletproof, starring the Sandman, Adam Sandler. And he, oh wow! And he also was a cinematographer on Malcolm X. So it it's just interesting because this guy who is a high level filmmaker. I mean, his direct. You know, I mean, Juice is a pretty big movie. It's not the worst movie in the world. It's like you know, it's definitely a a historical document now too as being one of Tupac's movies, but. You think about this movie, I kind of always viewed it as this like cheap kind of like, oh yeah, we're just going to make a, you know, we're going to make a remake remake of the most dangerous game, which by the way this is. This movie is a remake of the most dangerous game, one of many. Let where, me uh, yeah, let me read the uh, Yeah, give the, the synopsis. Here. A homeless man is hired as a survival guide for a group of wealthy businessmen on a hunting trip in the mountains, unaware that they are killers who hunt humans for sport and that he is their new prey. Mm-hmm. Now, can you think of a more timely subject for a film one the class oh yeah. struggles that are going on in america today class and race this is, this is so timely oh absolutely um and of course we knew that they were trying to make those kind of statements but it's knowing this guy's this director's you know filmography and the stuff he's worked on this was a there was no eye wink whatsoever i think this guy thought he was making like a really a really pertinent and hopefully like resonant movie starring one of the biggest hip hop stars at the time, just as he tried and succeeded in doing with juice. Yeah. But this absolutely failed. (laughs) And you'll know that as soon as you watch this movie is ridiculously bad. It's a great, it's a fun time. And I think I would say he provided, uh, he provided an even richer contribution to American culture with what did end up coming out, which is just, Unbelievably bad. But then you even put it into context thinking about the other people who are in this movie. I mean, they're all A-listers or close to A-listers. And you have an Academy Award winner in this film. You have an Academy F- Award winner. F. Murray Abraham for uh, uh, Mo- uh, Amadeus. Amadeus. Rutger Hauer. Charles S. Dutton. I mean, Rutger Hauer of Blade Runner fame. Yeah. One of the most iconic performances of the 80s. I mean, John C. McGinley, the janitor from Scrubs. Can you, the list goes on. (laughs) One thing that is impressive about this movie, and there are, you know, you guys will see, nothing was shot on a set. It was all shot in the actual outdoors because the movie takes place, you know, in the remote wilderness and there's a lot of running around. And that's the cinematographer's eye yeah. that this guy is bringing to the table. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the movie really does remind me of the Ernest Edge. Dickerson. You remember the movie The Edge? Oh, I do. I get the Edge vibes. He's a man-eater. He's a man-eater. I'm I guess Rucker Howard, Rucker Howard is kind of doing the, the Anthony Hopkins or vice versa. I don't remember. I don't know what came out first, but... Uh, Anthony Hopkins' performance in The Edge, which is a movie about a de- like a like a like an angry bear or something. What the fuck was it's, it? It's the <laughs> ultimate man versus nature <laughs> film where Anthony Hopkins, Alec Baldwin, and uh, one of the main guys from Oz, uh, they right. their their plane crashes into the, the Alaskan wilderness right. and they are stalked and taken out one by one by a grizzly bear. By a bear. So it's basically Jaws, but. A bear. Today, I'm going to kill the motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, Anthony. Thanks, Anthony. I, I appreciate that contribution. Um, yeah, so it's funny. Yeah, that's basically just Jaws. I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't know much about bears, but I'm pretty sure they don't like choose like one group. Dude, of... pic- I'm picturing the, the pitch in the elevator. Jaws with claws. Jaws with claws, man. Dude, 
that whoever that producer was that greenlit that immediately just saw big dollar signs. Oh my eye. god! Absolutely. Ching, ching. Bear with human skulls. <laughs> A skull collector. <laughs> um. Anyway, so surviving the game. Yeah, an unbelievably uh, star-studded cast. I mean, I'm sure that the the premiere for this thing was just the talk of the town um, before and after when everyone probably shot all over it. Oh, my God. I, I, what I would give to be on the red carpet of that premiere. I wonder if the that guy who runs that Twitter account, uh, the movie premiere tonight account, or whatever, oh. I wonder if he's ever posted this movie. That would be a probably pretty funny one. I wonder... Uh, I don't know if there was. There probably was not a public event. I can picture kind you don't of a, think so? a private, it's intimate screening with f- family and friends, <laughs> just to keep it like hush hush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're trying to make, uh, you know, a real. I mean, it's on its face. You know, a real commentary about. And then, I mean, I'm certainly down with the commentary about uh, the treatment of lower, lower and lowest class people, particularly people of color in uh, 1994 America being hunted by these rich old white men brought out literally for sport yeah. <laughs> and uh, great premise. And, you know, I don't blame the guy for thinking ice tea would be a good fit for it. I mean, in many ways he is a good fit for it, but the thing just falls flat on its face. Um, doesn't know if it wants to be an action movie or, uh, you know, I mean, they really try to go for a couple of emotional moments that are just really, Really cringeworthy and laughable, but really enjoyable. So yeah. I'm excited to read Yeah, that. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, big time. But, uh, oh, shit. What's this? Breaking oh, news. Shit. We got breaking news? What the hell's going on? Wait. Producers just got into my ear with some breaking news. Holy shit. What's up? News that is actually a, <laughs> a couple months old at this point because oh, we haven't had the chance to talk about this. <laughs> but this, when I saw this story, I couldn't have been any more happy while reading this headline. Johnny Depp to produce Michael Jackson, as told by his glove, musical. What? For what? The, for the love of a glove, an un- unauthorized musical fable. I wish the listeners could see my eyes right now. I'm <laughs> shocked by this news. Now, this is... And I guess I'm, I, should, <laughs> I should be upfront about this. When I just took a look at this article today, there was an update, and John Depp and his people confirm that they have nothing to do with this production but when i was reading this initially back Uh, in november that was not the case for me wait so okay so give me the scoop here okay so they (laughs) this is this is the article as if uh i had completely believed what was going on so it's an unauthorized musical that focus focuses on michael jackson's life story through the perspective of his iconic sequin glove um That sounds terrible. To make the project even weirder, Johnny Depp is on board uh, to produce the stage show. So apparently this guy, (laughs) this guy Julian Nitzberg, he wrote this biography essentially told by his glove before the pedophilia scandal fully broke. Oh. Even though we've known about it for like years. So he was meeting with a lot of like biopic people and... uh, the whole thing fell through. So Johnny Depp was going to play Michael Jackson? Not play him. He was going to produce the <laughs> okay. musical. <laughs> so, hey, he's a music guy. What can I say? So what this genius decides to do, he's going to say, all right, this, you know, Michael's been tarnished a little bit. How can I rearrange the story here to make this work? <laughs> and this is I quote. I said, how's this? 
Everything MJ has been accused of has actually been caused by his glove, which is actually an alien from outer space and what? feeds on virgin boy <laughs> blood. Fuck. What the fuck? This guy is serious? <laughs> yes. The glove is from outer space and fears, it feeds on... Virgin boy blood. Virgin boy blood. And that's that's how he decided to handle the... Uh, once the you know the serious out the news broke, he's like, "Oh no, no, this still works." Yeah. <laughs> so I'm reading this. I'm like, Johnny Depp has something to do with this? Are you fucking kidding me, dude? But I, yeah, oh. to my chagrin, it's not true. Contrary That's... to initial reports, Rolling Stone has confirmed that neither Johnny Depp nor its production company are involved in this production. Wow, man. Either way, dude, just the fact that that exists at all is unfucking believable. Imagine that as a stage play. Like, how does that work as a stage play? Like, how do you, like, center on it? They have, like, a giant, like, 30-foot glove on the stage. The play, like, is de- the play is described as a look into the strange forces that shaped Michael and the scandals that bedeviled his reputation. Wow. Is it my glove? With the glove serving as a singing narrator. Wow. Uh, page six adds that the show would, would also feature puppet versions of the Jackson 5, Corey Feldman... Puppet versions of Corey Feldman, okay. Donny Osmond and uh, Jackson's beloved chimpanzee, Bubbles. I don't know what to say about that, except that I would I would absolutely love to see that, <laughs> to know what the fuck that would be. Um, and I am absolutely... I, I am never... Th- th- there, is no, uh, there is no bottom to what people will try to do oh, to no. make it in the entertainment industry. No. The Bohemian Rhapsody producer is, is signed on full steam ahead for a uh, Michael biopic. Oh, really? Yeah. Can I see that picture of Johnny and the and the glove? And the glove. <laughs> it's funny, man. This Johnny like so tanned out in this picture. Tanned out, sun shades on, about fifteen necklaces around his neck. What do the, they call that hat? And the classic floppy, uh, <laughs> floppy hat. That's Floppy like, beret, I guess, would be the way to describe it. That's what uh, isn't doesn't Tim Heidegger wear one of those when he performs as Dakar? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like a pastry chef esque kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. Definitely get that feel from it. Um, um, but yeah, that was the breaking story of today. Yeah, wow. That's uh, I'm glad to know that. I'm going to be thinking about that for a little while, kind of wondering. Wondering what the fuck is wrong with people. But uh, that's just how it goes. Pretty wild. Yeah, and I think uh, just to close out the show, we got a little... Uh, we're going re- to revisit something from one of our past episodes. Yeah. One, of the, one of the most famous things that, that has ever happened on Commentology. Yeah, this is our biggest get so far. Yeah, so a little... Uh, Little context here. We did a we did a fantastic episode on one of the best uh, comedians and actors of our generation and musicians. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd. Yes, and he's a, really a blues man. He's a blues man. He's a entrepreneur, uh, and he's also a believer of the paranormal and pretty cool. The world's the world's beyond. So what Max and I decided to do is we try to get in touch with one of the most iconic uh, New York City psychics that you can find pamphlets for for their service on every major subway line yep um and we gave we gave a call to try to you know get down to business and figure out what is does dan Aykroyd it, it does he have what it does he have the truth yeah you know? i mean he said so many things about the state of the universe about the state of the crystal skulls about 
aliens and whatnot and what they want to do with us and where they are if they're even here right now that we needed a we need a we needed a, another source a verifiable source more so, specifically what these aliens want to do with our human women with our women which he had recently come out and said they want our women they want our women they're coming for our women to um, to take them away what was it to inseminate to, them to impregnate them yes. yeah right let's just pause on that for a second Dan Aykroyd <laughs> is going to the media, going to someone in the media, you know, a journalist and saying aliens are coming to impregnate our women. What? I mean, we're making fun of Gary Busey here. Like, what fucking state of mind is that guy in? Unbelievable. I mean, if you want to... It's Danny's uh, world, man. Our, I think our, I said it back then. I'll say it again. He's living in Danny's world. If you want our full take, uh, go back and revisit our Dan Aykroyd episode. But Dan yeah, Aykroyd so on UFOs. Unplugged. We were, you know, we were kind of looking for another take on the situation, so we called... Uh, we thought... We, we didn't actually call Keanu. We called one of Keanu's associates. The story of, the story of Keanu's associates actually was elucidated for us afterwards. But uh, we got Angelina another one of the um, soothsayers. We got the off-brand Keanu. Yeah. Um, we got her on the line, and it was very surprising because, you know, she she basically figured us out right away. She could tell right away that we were bullshit. Well, um, it was very aggressive. Let's play the clip. Yeah, so we'll play the clip right now so you can guys get a little context. <phone rings> Calling Angelina, spiritual consultant. Hello? Hi, is this Keanu? No, it's not. Are you, uh, are you... Can I help you? Are you another spiritual consultant? Can I help you? Uh, yeah, I was, uh... I got you... Your do something through media. She knew right away. Through media? Yes. How the fuck did you know? I saw your flyer on the, uh, subway. Yes, how can I help you? Um, are you familiar with Dan Aykroyd? And his belief yes. in the Uf- UFOs? No. Not familiar with that. He's an avid... Uh, Can I... Okay. What, well, what well, did you get that? What I'm trying to get at is he <laughs> kind of talks about how uh, aliens are already on planet Earth and that they're trying to... Well, trying to have... Oh trying gosh. to sleep with uh, Earth women. Okay. So you're a schizo. Then that's what it is. You're not... <laughs> you're not with media or journalists. You're just a psycho. Oh, just concerned about the. I'm actually just concerned there you go. about the Another UFO. Another psychopath. I mean, okay, well, great. A lot of people feel like UFOs Stand could be. Stand outside, and maybe one UFO will come and take you away. You hopefully. think that the UFOs, but it, it, you think it could happen potentially? <laughs> wow. So that's so the conversation that with the... Angelina. Um. So shortly after this, uh, good friend of the show, John Hoblin, who's been on the uh, G.G. Allen episode, he I he was aware that we had called Angelina, and he was at a party himself. And are, these, these are his words. I overheard some people at a Halloween party talking about Keanu. So they called him, but I missed that part. So I told them about your podcast and played them the Angelina clip. So that's when they wanted to call her. My sister's friend called and asked how to transform her days into success and happiness. And, and Angelina replied saying, you sound like an adult. This is how you, this is how you choose to spend your, time, your free time? <laughs> Call, calling me up at 2.30 in the morning to ask how to be happy? Wow. So Angelina, no matter, she just does not like to be called. I mean, for someone who advertises their phone number everywhere on the subway, I know. Does not like unsolicited calls. It's very weird and it's it's 
I mean, we called and I don't know how she figured us out right away, but then we did proceed to ask her about like aliens impregnating women. So yeah, I get it. In that case, like how how is that not how is that not an appropriate question for how is that girl's question not an appropriate <laughs> question for a spiritual seeker or like a a, a soul a soul guide? I just, I think Angelina's in the wrong business, and I don't know how she got herself mixed up into this, but uh. The saga of Keanu continues in our lives yeah. because shortly after we did this, the New York Times drops a bomb on we our We couldn't heads believe it. And they drop uh, an article. Keanu is NY's most famous and mysterious subway psychic. I found her. This is literally like a week, maybe two weeks after we did that call that the New York Times is doing this like, frankly, in-depth <laughs> in-depth investigation of who Keanu is. And it's it was really interesting, to be honest. Yeah. They they basically traced Keanu to a I think it's in Bay Ridge. It's like all the way down, you know, there's a there is an actual storefront that Keanu runs. They yeah, have a picture 86, of it. 86th Street in Brooklyn. In Bay Brooklyn. Ridge. So they basically find that. Keanu is running some kind of psychic, you know, spiritual, you know, fortune teller situation there. And that she's got a few other people that are a part of her little clan of fortune tellers, Angelina included. They mention Angelina by name in this article. They do. Yeah. So they're all part of this weird group of, yeah, people who are answering the phone at 2.30 in the morning and putting these flyers around the city for soothsaying. She says, Keanu says that she designed the flyer herself, that she wanted the uh, the triangle, the eye, the moon, because they signified strength and uh, and the mysteries of the universe. But I have to say, from a design perspective, maybe it's because I've just seen it too many times, but it is there is a certain power to it. Um, yeah, so basically they kind of dive into it, and the per- the the interviewer... Starts, you know, paying Keanu for her time and asking her this and that question. Started to try to get like the firsthand experience, and to me, I was really like, especially having the experience that we did, where you know they just completely blew us off. I didn't really get how these people were making money. You know, like it, it didn't really make sense to me until the end of the article, which you kind of re- start to get a sense that Keanu and her group of cohorts. They slowly kind of bring you in to their percent or their kind of world. Like they're, you know, you go there a handful of times, you ask her a question over and over again. And then at some point, she says something along the lines of, like, oh, I'm seeing like a very like dark cloud. Like I'm seeing a black dot that's that's Mm -hmm. on you. Very reminiscent of the uh, Muppets Treasure Island. (laughs) Um, And there's only one way to get rid of that dot, isn't there? And then there's one way to get rid of that dot, and that's to pay them increasing sums of money, basically. That's right. I think (laughs) it goes from like hundreds to thousands. And they basically, they have their handful of people, maybe more, that they're just basically sucking dry. And I mean, it's uh, it's kind of disturbing. I mean, it's no more disturbing than any other like spiritual organization that's just taking money from people for uh, a sense of cleanliness, spiritual cleanliness. But it is dark, um, and it was a real shock to find <laughs> <laughs> to find that the New York Times was also on the hunt on the scoop 
as was Comatology yeah, Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And we were there first, and we yeah. investigated first. Absolutely. The New York Times, the paper of record, couldn't even keep up with this podcast. So you heard it here first at Comatology. And uh, yeah, just never forget that. Yeah. Um, all right. I think we're ready to dive into this feature film. Yeah. Is there anything else we should cover before we get into this about the, sh- the film or anything? I, I feel uh, like we pretty much did it. Yeah, I think so. Maybe just a closing thought. A great businessman once said, wait, or was it a world later? That felt very, <laughs> that felt very oh, self-aware. What did he say at the end? I don't even know. He mumbled something. Wow, writer. A great businessman once said, wait, or was it a world later? Whoa. Huh. It, that seems acted, but also very brain damaged. Yeah. Um, damn. A All healthy right, combination of both. Well, one thing I'm excited for is to see a younger, healthier, although still brain damaged Gary on the screen <laughs> uh, right now with tw- ni- uh, 1994's Surviving the Game. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> 